0: This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. And I'm Lyle Southwell and this, is and this is Encounter with God where we get into our Bible study for the day. Before we do, we're going to have another clue for our quiz. What have you got for us there, Mon?
1: Yes, in Diddly Diddly Die, we have a What Book Am I? quiz. This is clue number four. The Ten Commandments are found in my fifth chapter. So come on now, we all know where that is. Give us a call one eight hundred faith fm one 843 Today's prize is a beautiful, the most beautiful copy I've ever seen of Steps to Christ. Uh, this was a book that um, our just previous interview there, Rodney said that inspired him to write uh, Bulletproof. Um, so this is a book that inspired the book. It is so pretty, Lyle. It's got it's full color photos, every single page, just beautiful scenes of nature. Um, just really wonderful uh, photography going on here. A really inspiring book. It's 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 a short book, only thirteen chapters. You can get a, a copy of it here today if you can tell me the answer to the quiz this morning. What book of the Bible have we been talking about there? You can text your answers by the way 0491064669
0: Okay, so we need to get into our Bible study for the day, and we are talking about the decree of Artaxerxes, very, very famous decree, this one particularly because of its relationship to Daniel chapter 9. And so we're going to go to Ezra chapter 7, and while we're to Ezra chapter 7, we need to uh, spend a little bit of time talking about the decree. In fact, why don't we begin, why don't we begin this Bible study in Daniel chapter 9? How about that? So Mon, if you could read for us Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. That's the one. That's the one. Let's head over there and see what the Bible says. This is, a, this is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, messianic prophecy. Nah, definitely the greatest messianic prophecy anywhere in the Bible.
1: I've already forgotten what the reference was. Daniel chapter what?
0: 9, verse 24. Okay, thanks. And so basically, I mean, when we talk about a messianic prophecy, we're talking about prophecies about the coming of Jesus. Go for it, Mon.
1: Okay, a period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion and to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision and to anoint the most holy place.
0: Okay, so that's a time period there. How long is the time period that is given to us?
1: Uh, 70 sets of seven.
0: Okay, which is how long?
1: Well, it's 70 times seven, Lyle, obviously.
0: Yes. Wait, let me You're. get my calculator. <laughs> 490. 77s are 490, so that gives you a total. And, and when it's talking about 77s, Correct. it's talking about days. Obviously, a week, a seven is a, is a week. Um, and so you've got 490 days. What does a day symbolize in Bible prophecy?
1: 10 million years. No, I'm kidding, just a year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a day symbolizes a year, so you've got 490 years of prophecy right here, and within this time period, a number of events are going to take place. Let's list them. They are going to be cut off or um, separated off the much longer 2,300-day prophecy um, for uh, to finish transgression and to make an end of sins. In other words, the Jewish people are supposed to get their act together during this period. Then it goes on um, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Who did that?
1: Who did the taking away of the sins? Yeah. There's only one person who can do that. That's right. Yep. Amen. Jesus Christ.
0: That's Jesus Christ. Okay. So um, Jesus takes away iniquity and brings in everlasting righteousness. And then it says, and to seal the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So there is a number of different events that must take place within this 490 year period. And their fulfillment is going to uh, be the seal of the prophecy, you know, a, a, a guarantee of the accuracy of the prophecy. Amen. And if you want to know more about this particular prophecy in more detail, you need to be here in Raymond Terrace on Friday evening at six o'clock because I will be speaking on this one. It's called Daniel's Cursed Code. Did you know that uh, a number of people have, uh, a number of religious organizations have placed a curse on anyone who reads this prophecy.
1: It's just so funny when religious entities think they can curse a part of the Bible. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like a yeah, nice try, There a God. secret society nice of the try. Dark
0: Ages, a very, very dangerous secret society of the Dark Ages, that has actually spent the last 400 years trying to hide this prophecy. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and they have been ridiculously successful,
1: which is very sad.
0: Because you could, I, I'll guarantee you could. You could ask ninety nine percent of Christians who are sitting in churches right now mm-hmm. about this prophecy, and they yeah. wouldn't have the no faintest idea. idea what it's about.
1: Yep. Yeah, hundred percent true.
0: And it is the greatest prophecy of the Messiah that there is because it tells you exactly when he would be anointed, exactly when he would die, it's, to the year.
1: This is why it's so important for us to read and to know our Bibles, all all of it, not just you know the fun bits.
0: Absolutely, this is the fun bit. What are you talking about? This is like the funnest bit of all the well, fun bits. Well, I
1: think a lot of little kids think Song of Solomon's the fun bit, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> teenagers.
1: Yeah, that's right. Once <laughs> those
0: hormones kick in. <laughs> All right, so let's go to uh, where are we? Let's go to now verse 25. We need to have a starting point for this prophecy. In other words, we need to have a from, from here until here. That's what you need with a time prophecy. A time prophecy without a starting point is a purposeless prophecy because it is going to actually tell you nothing. So we need a from. Uh, verse 25, please, Mon.
1: Says this Now listen and understand seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the d- command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes.
0: Okay, let's stop there for a moment. The, the word anointed one there is the word Messiah. Mm-hmm. Where is the from? Did you find a from?
1: Uh, from the time the command is given to okay. rebuild Jerusalem.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. From the, is that all yours says, just rebuild?
1: Uh, rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler comes. Yeah. That's all yours says. Oh, no, no, no. Mine keeps going.
0: Mine keeps no, 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 going. no. no, no yeah, Jerusalem is, no, no, will be rebuilt with streets
1: and stronger defences yep. despite yep. the perilous
0: times. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Okay.
1: Why, what does yours say?
0: To rebuild and to restore.
1: Oh, okay. okay. And both
0: of those words, and they are different words in the original language. Okay. And that is important because it is not just a decree to rebuild. There were a number of those. But there was only one decree that actually restores um, the full legal government of Jerusalem. And so we need to find which one that is. Okay, so if you're going to, uh, we we mentioned yesterday that there were four returns of, uh, four major waves of of returns, of people returning from Babylon to uh, Judea. Uh, If you were going to, and there were a number of decrees associated with that, if you were going to choose a decree, which one would you choose as the starting date for this prophecy? Because it says, you know, from the going forth of the decree to rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah will be 483 years.
1: But are we going to count the people, like essentially the exiling people, people leaving Babylon as the decree to rebuild or is it just a decree to leave?
0: Uh, the cre- decree to rebuild.
1: Okay, well, I would take it from the first one then. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and that's exactly where most Western people would. That would be a mistake.
1: Oh, is <laughs> it? Yes. <laughs> I guess
0: I that will Western, land you <laughs> with a date in the middle of a... I am
1: a Western person, what can I say? Yeah,
0: that's right. And this is one of the problems that... Uh, occasionally you'll have a challenge like this when reading the Bible with a Western mindset. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's think about when you buy a house. Right. Let's say that you buy a house next week mm-hmm. um, and you announce it on your social media. Hey, I just bought a house and you post up a photo of the house that you just bought. Yep. Did you buy a house? Yes. No, you didn't.
1: The bank bought a the house. The bank bought a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. When do
0: you actually buy it?
1: <laughs> when I paid the bank back.
0: About 30 years from now. Yeah, yeah, About right. 30 years in the future is when you're actually going to buy that house. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is a, a different way of looking at it. And if you were coming at it from um, a Jewish, um, you know, uh, first century perspective, that's the way that you would actually communicate it. Mm. You would not say, I bought a house tomorrow. You would say, I, I bought a house. <laughs> yeah, I went into debt. Um, and then in 30 years' time, when you finish paying it off, you'd say, I bought a house. Nice. And so you don't actually take it from the initiation of the transaction. You take it from the conclusion of the transaction. And based on that principle, we would not go with the first decree. We would go with the last decree. Okay. And you'll find this very, very clearly illustrated if you go to Ezra chapter 6.
1: So I personally, if it was left up to me, I would have said, until you actually smack a hammer on some brick, nothing's happening. That's what I would have taken it.
0: Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. You would. Except, once again, you would be wrong. Still be
1: wrong. Yeah. Uh-huh. Still be wrong. Because
0: you're always wrong. What can I say? <laughs> 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 no. And, and hey, before we, before I make we g-
1: being wrong look good,
2: all right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that you do. <laughs> that you do. Before we go back to Ezra, I do need to point out from Daniel chapter 9 that it says, from the going forth of the decree. Okay. So that's when the decree leaves the city of Babylon.
1: You're
3: listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Well,
0: possibly more accurately when the decree leaves the Persian court, wherever the Persian court is at that particular time, because the Persian court uh, was located in a number of different locations. Let's go to Ezra, chapter 6. Ezra 6, where did Ezra go? Uh, It's so hard trying to turn Bible pages one-handed.
1: Oh, poor loyal. Yeah,
0: that's right. This is my sob story for today. Pushed a car
1: onto his own arm and now he can't turn pages, all right.
0: That'll
1: teach you to put the (laughs) jack down properly.
0: (laughs) All right, Ezra chapter 6, and Mon, if you could read for us verse 14, please.
1: Okay, verse 14. So the Jewish elders continued their work, and they were greatly encouraged by the preaching of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Ido. The temple was finally finished, as has been commanded by the God of Israel and decreed by Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, the kings of Persia.
0: Okay, I want to read this to you from the King James Version. It is slightly clearer. Mm-hmm. It says, and the elders of the Jews built, and they prospered, through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo. And they built and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius and Artaxerxes, kings of Persia. Now what I want you to notice here is the movement between singular and plural. Okay, so the first thing that you find that is singular is the commandment of God. There is one commandment of God. Correct. Then there is one commandment of the kings of Persia.
2: hmm
0: However, these Persian kings all succeeded each other. You had Darius the Great uh, followed, uh, sorry, you had Cyrus the Great followed by Darius the Great followed by Artaxerxes the first. Mm-hmm. They weren't all reigning at the same time. Therefore, there is more than one decree here, and yet the Bible says there is just one decree. Did you notice that? It's one of those subtle things there. The decree is singular and the kings are plural.
1: But isn't it just still the same one decree and they're just following along with it?
0: No, there are actually three different decrees, and the way it works is when you read the three different decrees, you have the decree of Cyrus, Mm -hmm. Cyrus the Persian. He initiates the decree. Okay. Then you have the decree of Darius who confirms it. So basically what happened was that the enemies of Israel rose up and there was a, a new pharaoh on the throne, so to speak. It was actually a new Persian on the throne, not a new pharaoh. Um, and Darius is on the throne. They write to Darius and like, yeah, there's a terrible city. You shouldn't be rebuilding this city. Um, and so he halts the work for a period of time while I search the records and then he finds, no, actually they have legal right to build it. And so he confirms the decree. Uh, and then you have Artaxerxes who comes along and completes the decree because uh, the two previous decrees were only concerned with rebuilding, whereas Artaxerxes' decree says, okay, now you've finished building the city um, and the temple, now you can actually have your own government back again. So it's a, a restoration that takes place as well as just a rebuilding. And of course, it is not until the decree is complete the completion of the decree, that it is actually spoken of as one decree.
1: Okay, so we look back at it as one decree.
0: That's right. It's one decree, and it comes into force, full force, once it's finished, not when it started. Okay. And so if you're going to date the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, you go from the last decree and not the first one, and that is the decree of Artaxerxes. Okay, let's spend a little bit of time and have a look at this particular decree. And let's go to... hmm, Let's start in verse 6.
1: Of chapter uh, 6?
0: Ezra chapter 7 and verse
1: 6. Okay. This Ezra was a scribe who was well versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon... And the king gave him everything he asked for, because the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him. Some of the people of Israel, as well as some of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants, traveled up to Jerusalem with him in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes' reign.
0: Okay, we noted before that Ezra was um, obsessed With details. Yes. This guy had serious OCD Mm -hmm. when it came to details. And being a scribe, that was a good thing because he didn't miss any small detail. That we know of. That we know of. Mm -hmm. The good thing about that is we now have an accurate date for the going forth of the decree, don't we?
1: Yes. Very good thing. Uh,
0: The Bible says uh, that he goes up there in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. But it gets even more accurate than that. Keep reading, please.
1: Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in August of that year. He had arranged to leave Babylon on April 8, the first day of the new year, and he arrived in Jerusalem on August 4, for the gracious hand of his God was upon him.
0: Okay. How often do you find in the Bible...
1: Specific dates?
0: A specific year, even.
1: Like, almost never.
0: <laughs> <laughs> almost never. Yeah. Uh, it almost seems and, weird to see dates. And, and, that's right. And when you have a, uh, when you have a specific... Year in the Bible, it's usually a pretty, you know, dramatic event like on this year, mm-hmm. this particular person became king. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just when, you know, a scribe leaves Babylon.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You have <laughs> a
0: year given for that. Uh, but not only do we have a year given, but we have a date given. And we have a date given for when he leaves, we have a date given for when he arrives, we know exactly when the Uh, commandment goes forth we know when the commandment uh, arrives in Jerusalem and then we have a complete copy of the decree that is made in relationship to what was actually to happen in Jerusalem and so yes Ezra's infatuation with detail now gives us the starting date for the Messianic Prophecy, the Great Messianic Prophecy, and you can start from this date, and you can calculate 483 years, just as Daniel said, and it will bring you exactly to Jesus, the Messiah. If you want those details, then uh, be here on Friday evening if you are in the Newcastle, uh, Central Coast, uh, Port Stephens, Lower Hunter region. Head on over to Raymond Terrace on friday evening six o'clock I'll be speaking on this subject and I'll give you all the detail how this prophecy was exactly fulfilled all right um so we've got we've got Ezra here he's got all of his uh his his, his details sorted out. How can we trust these dates because we would say the seventh year of Artaxerxes, is the king this is what was it August fourth them on I think you said
1: yeah uh, uh... August 4 and April 8, yep.
0: August 4, April 8 um, of 457 BC. Mm-hmm. We would attach that date to it. Why would we attach, how could we How could we calculate that date? And can we trust it? Can we know that the 7th year of Artaxerxes uh, was exactly that time period? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I don't know. I'm a little bit confused because it says here, you know, he had arranged to leave Babylon on April 8, the first day of the new year. And it's like, wait a second, since when is April 8, the first day of the new year?
0: Um, depends whether you're Persian or Jewish or right. Western. Yeah, because I mean... You're Western.
1: It's January 1st. It's the first day of the new year. That's yeah. what I'm concerned.
0: That's right. Uh, but it's not the first day of the new year in uh, so many... it many, seems a bit many, shady.
1: Can we even trust Many, many other, other
0: cultures.
1: Can we trust it at all?
0: Okay. We can. And the reason that we can is because of a number of things that were unique about the... Per- well, not incredibly unique, but unique enough. Mm-hmm. The first of all is that the Persians did not record their history as we do by typing it into a computer. They did not record their history in the cloud. Okay. They recorded their history in stone.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: So these guys were pretty serious when they were like, you know what, we're going to make sure our history stays and it lasts. And so they carved their, they literally carved their history into stone. And, you know, if you put your history in the cloud, it might last six years. If you put it in stone, it will last 6,000 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Literally. You can go there to Persia today. You can read, you go to the Byzantine rock and places like that. You can yeah. read the history that these kings carved down in this era. The uh you know when the Achaemenid kings were on the throne. It is all there. You can literally dig up and read the records of Artaxerxes the first of his reign and you can know exactly when the seventh year was. So that's the first thing that is really cool about Persian kings and their decrees. The second thing that is really cool about Persian kings and their decrees is that they were very religious people. They worshipped the stars, the sun, and the moon, and they recorded everything that happened in the sky. So if, you're, if the stars, the sun, and the moon are important to you, and there is an eclipse that takes place then you know the sun is obviously under attack from somebody that's going to get into the records and that's going to be carved into stone and we are going to be able to calculate that because astronomy is an exact science Mm, so we know exactly when these events took place this is pillars of our faith with beautiful zion you're listening to faith fm Right, guys, that was Pillars of Our Faith here on Faith FM. Mon, give us another clue for our quiz.
1: Yes, indeed. What book am I? Uh, we're going to have to make some DIY ones after this. guess our final clue for it. The fifth book of the Old Testament. I contain 34 chapters the fifth book of the Old Testament.
0: You need to know how to count. If you need to know how to count, then there's a prize coming your way. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669. to win a and copy of
1: The Steps to Christ.
0: That was the one that Rodney was talking about earlier that led him to Christ.
1: That's right. Yep. He came to
0: Christ through reading that book.
1: And speaking of prizes, Lyle, we still have our Ginderbine Alpine Lodge holiday giveaway happening. Uh, give us a call or give us a text with your details and we'll put your name in the draw to win. Uh, 1-800-FAITH-FM. All you're going to do is give us your name and number and you could be taking home an Alpine holiday. Very exciting You've got stuff. until
0: the 11th of October, October which yep. is not far away. That's yep. next week. Uh, Because that—that's when the breakfast show closes. Yeah, indefinitely, and of course, that's why we're doing our Ginderbine giveaway. Is because we kind of want to go out with a bang and give away the prize of all prizes. So there's a holiday available for somebody, uh, somebody's family to go to Ginderbine Adventist Alpine Retreat. It is absolutely stunning property um, up there in the mountains, and uh, you will just just be amazed. Most. Beautiful, relaxing place that you could ever imagine going.
1: So you can actually uh, enter that right up until the last second. So we'll still be taking entries right up um, until Friday morning and then Friday... Towards the end of the show, we'll actually draw it. So yeah, yeah.
0: And I would, I would recommend get your details in. Um, also, we would love to hear from you if you're disappointed as we are with the breakfast show closing. Then uh, shoot us a note. Shoot us a note of encouragement. We will pass that encouragement on to the uh, to the bosses. And um, yeah, definitely looking at looking for ways to uh, to move forward from here. Um, but yeah, at the moment we're not unviable. Un- so that's what's going to be taking place. Let's go to Artaxerxes' decree, Ezra chapter 7, verse. Where did we get up to?
1: Uh,
2: we were talking nine? about the
0: decrees of the kings of Persia. Yep. And we were talking about how, number one, they carved their decrees in stone. Mm-hmm. Number two, they carved the record. Oh, sorry, they attached the record of their reign or their reigns well, yeah, that's right. to whatever happened in the sky. So astronomical events, and we talked about how astronomy is an exact science, and so we actually have an exact chronology of the Persian kings. Unlike the Egyptian kings, where we really have no chronology at all, because those guys are just all over the place, the biggest mess that you'll see in any kind of genealogy are Egyptian kings. Persian kings, we know exactly when their reign started, we know exactly when their reign finished, and we know exactly when a bunch of different events took place in their reign. And so if you want to know when the seventh year of Artaxerxes is, it is a very, very simple calculation using astronomy to find that. But that's not the only way that you can find these dates. So the great Sir Isaac Newton, the most influential scientist who has ever lived, had this to say about it because he studied this prophecy, decoded it, and discovered that it was the greatest messianic prophecy of all time. He said this, The years of Artaxerxes' reign are among the most easily established dates of history. So he does it through a historical perspective. The canon of Ptolemy, the Greek Olympiads, and allusions in Greek history to Persian affairs all combined to place the seventh year of Artaxerxes at 457 BC. And so for uh, Sir Isaac Newton, rather than using astronomy and uh, dates carved in stone, he used Greek history. And he used Greek history to actually triangulate the date. And so when you've got a bunch of Greek histories and they just throw random dates out all over the place then you are a little bit lost but when you have a number of greek histories that are contemporary to this period written independently from each other and not using each other to borrow from that all pinpoint the same date then you have your date triangulated and you know exactly where you are 457 bc becomes very important to the prophecy of daniel chapter 9
1: it makes it a bit more easy to calculate, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> yes, indeed it does. Okay. Mon, why don't you, where did we get up to? Uh,
1: we're already up to uh, verse 10, I think, of chapter 7. In Let's Ezra. keep going. This was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. King Artaxerxes had given a copy of the following letter to Ezra, the priest and scribe who studied and taught the commands and decrees of the Lord to, to Israel. From Artaxerxes, the king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law of the God of heaven.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Let's stop here for a moment because once again, we have Ezra's OCD kicking in, Mm -hmm. which is a huge blessing for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, The decree that we have from Darius and the decree that we have from Cyrus, which predated these decrees, is kind of like one or two verses long and it's a bit of a summary.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Whereas with Ezra, he gets given a copy. It is a written copy for him to carry with him, and so he transcribes it into his book of the Bible, word for word. Wow. So here we have a word for word passage by Artaxerxes first. Okay, go for it.
1: I decree, oh, greetings. I decree that any of the people of Israel in my kingdom, including the priests and Levites, may volunteer to return to Jerusalem with you. I and my council of seven hereby instruct you to conduct an inquiry into the situation in Judah and Jerusalem based on your God's laws, which is in your hand.
0: Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Uh, Notice he is stating here that any of the Jewish people within his kingdom are free to return. Now, this is interesting because we find that the vast majority of Jews never went back. You know, you've got 50,000 that go back. 50,000 is a pretty small number. It's tiny. It's a tiny number. Mm. Why do you think the vast majority never went back? The Bible describes those that go back as a remnant.
1: They were comfortable.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's a little bit like if all of Australia got deported to the United States. After you'd been living there for, say, 70 years, why would you go back? Yeah. Your kids have become Americans. Um, you would, you know, and, and you find this, you know, three generations on in any any kind of uh, people group, they lose their national identity and their national identity then becomes the identity of the country that they're in. And to leave Babylon, you know, this is the, this is the premier nation of the world. It's, it's advanced as far as technology and, you know, mathematics and science and education. There's all kinds of opportunities there. If you're going back to Jerusalem, the place is a wreck. It's a pile of rubble. Why would you want to go back there? Well, the answer is that you'd want to go back there to rebuild the temple to continue the worship of God. Mm. Um, and what you've got is those people who go back are actually those people who are devout. Yeah. It's the devout ones that go back. And the remnant that stay in Babylon mostly just kind of vanished. There are a few um, populations of Jewish people um, in, you know, places like Iran and up into the, some of those stand countries. <laughs> that is, it is believed, date back to this particular era. Oh, really? They do not date to the first century when uh, the Jewish people were dispersed under Roman rule, but date back to the dispersion that took place under Babylonian rule. Wow. It's most fascinating to, you know, to, to see these different communities and to... Visit them and so forth. Anyway, where are we up to? Uh, we were reading here. Uh, verse in 15. Verse 15. Uh, keep going for us, please.
1: We also commission you to take with you silver and gold, which you are freely presenting as an offering to the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem.
0: Okay, so notice here that uh, Artaxerxes, he recognizes the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He sees Yahweh as being a local God. Yeah. And uh, he wants to have all of the gods in his kingdom happy. And so he is giving an offering, a very generous offering to the God of Israel that lives in Jerusalem to keep that particular God happy as well. Hasn't been converted, but uh, you never know what effect um, the influence of the Jewish people were able to have upon him. It was obviously a positive effect. Who knows whether we will meet him again one day. This is Lauren Daigle.
3: Taking all I have and now I'm laying it at your
2: feet You'll have every failure, God You'll have every victory
1: It is all so
4: very simple. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime event as two of our country's best Christian singer-songwriters come together in concert. October 12th, 630 at Maitland SDA Church. Call 413 122 348 now to book your seat.
3: Listening to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio.
5: Why, me, Lord, what have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown?
0: Welcome back, everybody. It's come to question of the daytime. Mon, have you got a uh, oh, homemade. Do you want
1: to say who that was, Lyle?
0: Uh, it was Laura- No, it was. Uh... Cece Winans.
1: No, my goodness.
0: <laughs> I quit. I'm done. <laughs> it was Cece Winans. You were listening to Cece, Cece Winans here. Winans. winans. It doesn't say winans. She's not a whiner, she's a winner.
1: You're a whiner. I'm a whiner. Uh, it is time for question of the day. Oh, do we have another quiz? A little DIY homemade quiz for our what book of the my- what book of my quiz?
0: Um, the first letter of this book is the letter D.
1: Okay, yeah, that's the dog. D for dog. Give us a call if you know what it is. One eight hundred Faith FM. You can win yourself a copy of Steps to Christ. Question of the day time. Lyle Southwell. Mm-hmm. So should Christians? Uh, Burn incense. Like you know how when you like go past those like new age hippie shops and that stink comes out and everyone's like, Oh poor yuck and that's that like, incense smell? Should Christians burn What do
0: you that mean, oh poor yuck? I like the smell of incense. What are you talking about? No, you don't. I like in- I like incense. I like no I like the new age shops.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I well I think they kinda of smell when they're overpowering, but um should Christians burn those? Because you know,
0: absolutely, Christians should burn incense. It smells nice. What are you talking about?
1: Because people use it to like worship gods and stuff. You know, you go to places it, like India and that kind of thing, and places all throughout Asia where they serve. Is it like, a problem
0: just to, to to do you never use air freshener in your bathroom?
1: Yeah, but incense and air freshener are different. That's
0: same thing.
1: But incense is used. To, incense to is cooler because, it, because it's on fire, and it doesn't really like. Clean anything, it just makes it covers the smell. It's not really an air purifier, no, but it's used to worship gods. So, should we be involved in that? False no, gods?
0: we should not be worshipping in false gods. But if you need some incense for your home, go to the, your local friendly new age shop and buy some incense. Um, Paul actually speaks about this in First Corinthians, he's got a whole chapter on it where he speaks about it, the principle involved here and it is the principle of food offered to idols. So your homework in answer to this question is to go and read Second Corinthians chapter 8. And basically what they did back in the day was they had this thing called eating the God.
2: Eating the God. Eating
0: the God. So they wanted to take the power of the God into themselves. There were many different ways that they would do so, but they would dedicate the food to the God. Um, sometimes they would give the food to the God and if he didn't eat it, then you would eat it. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, food that had been offered to idols it had to be ceremonially, ceremonially prepared, ceremonially butchered if it was, an, if it was uh, flesh, etc. And it would always command a premium price. It was always worth more than ordinary food because, you know, a few extra uh, ceremonies had been involved in producing it. A few extra magic words had been said over it. And it would give you extra strength that normal food wouldn't. Paul comes along, and, and and of course, you know, when the when the Christians when the pagans became Christians, they they left off all of their paganism, and so they didn't eat any of that food. But it seems that Paul created a bit of a scandal every now and then by eating some of that food. You know, maybe nothing else was available. He paid the premium, bought it, and got to eat that day rather than going hungry. And they're like, "Oh, we would never eat that. What is Paul doing? This is a great scandal." And so Paul goes on to say, "Look, the God doesn't exist. It's just food. Get over it." Yeah. Um. Then he also goes on to say, look, if what I'm doing is going to cause somebody, a weaker person to stumble, then, you know, I'll hold back and not do so because I don't want I don't want that weaker person, the weaker brother to uh, become discouraged and go, oh, Paul's involved in idolatry. I can be involved in idolatry as well. And so Paul was like, the God doesn't exist. Just get over it. It's just food. Just eat it already. But if it's going to offend somebody else, you know, I'm not going to go there. Um I will I will hold back from doing so. But um and and he also went on to say, look, if, if you're coming from a pagan background and this is part of your pagan religious practice, and you can't eat it without you know, feeling the conscious presence of the idol in your home, then don't do so. So the issue is worship. The second commandment says, You shall not make any carved image or any likeness of anything that God has created. A lot of people stop reading there and say, "Like, well, we can't take photos. We can't have a have a doll or a teddy bear in our home." You know, people go to extremes. And of course, the issue there is worship because they were told to make carved images. The serpent on a pole was a carved image. They were told to make that. And um, that actually resided in the temple for you know several hundred years until the time came that they took it out of the temple and they worshipped it. And as soon as they worshipped it, God said, destroy it. The issue is worship. If you are not using this as an article of worship, if you are using it because you like the smell, then go for it.
1: If you have a question, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM, one 800 324 We love answering your questions live on air.
4: The sun goes down and the moon cries out it's love for you The world confides in the love that hides between the two And I know I'm not afraid to call this home And I know that you aren't too and you fall down in the light, in the blinding light. And you, your crown, win the fight, win the fight. fire they're leading themselves into a world apart there's a new restart if you simply choose and i know i'm going to a better place and i hope that you are too and you fall down Who knows the truth and the meaning of life? So we're protected and leading. Don't be heeding these lies, proceeding through every direction you're leading. It's you who knows the truth and the meaning of life. So we're protected and leading on. Finding light and you, your crown
0: Welcome back guys, you listen to Faith FM. We've come to the end of our show, which means we are about to give something away. Mon, what are we giving away today? A
1: copy of Prophets and Kings.
0: Oh, fantastic. So this is this is actually one of my favourite books because it really begins it begins the history of our world before our world was created.
1: And the cool thing is, if you've been enjoying our study today about Ezra and Nehemiah It's all there. It's all in this book in depth really incredible stuff Uh, give us a call if you'd like a copy of Prophets and Kings by E.G. White I was
0: thinking of Patriarchs and Prophets
1: you were weren't you I I was was. wondering when you said the beginning stuff I was like "Mm, no this is this
0: is okay. So this is all this one you've got you've got King David you've got King Solomon you've got the Prophet Samuel you've got all of the intrigue that takes place between those, you know, King Saul and then all of the various kings down through history. Yes, this is this is the book to have.
1: One eight hundred Faith of Emma is the number to call if you'd like a copy of Prophets and Kings. Uh, or you can text zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Snap up a copy. All you have to do is be the first person through. That's it. No no questions you have to answer. Nothing at all. Just be the first person through. It's also the same number to call if you would like to learn more about the Bible. We love to set you up. Uh, with Bible studies and uh, we can do that in person, online, through the mail. However, it's easiest for you to study the Bible and learn more about Jesus, your Savior. Also, Lyle, we're at Raymond Terrace Missions where we are broadcasting from a special event location because Lyle and Lawson are doing the Prophetic Code series from here Tuesdays, Fridays and Saturday nights at 6.30. It is totally free for you to come. There's no admission fee. Come along. Two great presentations and uh, a little snack in the middle, isn't there?
0: absolutely there is Uh, we look forward to your company every morning here on the faith fm breakfast show